Hi, this is Andrew Miller from Business Enjoyment and this is another episode of The Tingle Zone. In this episode, I'm talking with Vanessa Zami, a business expert, keynote speaker and best-selling author of Finish, a solopreneur's guide to getting stuff done. Now, Vanessa does not come from an entrepreneurial family, but it was her family that inspired her to follow the path that she's now on, though not in the way that you might imagine. The next key step for her was when she was just a teenager and she began to think about her own funeral, what she wanted it to look like, who she wanted to be there and what those people would say. From there, it was all about creating a life that would enable that to happen and to ensure that she lived a life without regret. In our conversation, we cover such subjects as the dangers of trying so hard to fit in that you lose yourself, how entrepreneurship is actually personal development on steroids, and whether or not you can be truly authentic if you haven't discovered who you are yet. Vanessa's overall message to success in business is, in a nutshell, keep it simple, keep it moving. As a note, since recording this episode, a number of Vanessa's contact details have changed, so if you want to know more about Vanessa, check the show notes for the most up-to-date information. That includes a fantastic workshop she's running entitled How to Grow Your Purpose-Driven Business Without Burnout, Sleep Deprivation or Meditation. So do check out the show notes, but for now, sit back, relax, think about what you want people to say about you at your funeral, and most of all, enjoy. Yeah, so thank you for having me, Andrew. I am a business coach, speaker, and best-selling author. Oh, and for those who don't know, name's Vanessa Zami. Um, and essentially, <laughs> with that, I focus on coaching, consulting, and advising nine-to-fivers on how to build their profit-producing, purpose-driven business, even with a demanding day job. So I'm all about essentially fixing your hustle to ensure that you are working efficiently and effectively and optimizing every hour of your day to get your business going, moving towards your legacy and towards your generational wealth. And the, and the key word there is optimizing, not necessarily flogging your guts out every hour of the day. And let me just check. On. Yes, yes, <laughs> indeed. Yes. Optimizing. Yes. Because especially when you're doing your business while you got your day job, while you got your family, your parenting, whatever it is that you got going on. Right. It is the, the business is now this extra thing. And at the end of the day, you still got the same 24 hours. Right. You didn't you didn't get more time. You didn't get less time. You still got the same energy you're waking up with, et cetera, right? And so how do you ensure that you're optimizing each volt of energy, each you know minute so that you are getting the most out of it so that you can really truly just maximize your success, right? In your life, so yeah. Excellent, so we'll, we'll find out more about uh, details on what you do for people right now and in your book and that kind of thing. But I always find, particularly with coaches, uh, the, the journey is normally quite interesting because we don't just sort of, well, no one's bought a coach, you know, it's not the thing people, first of all, you gotta find out what one is and all the rest of it. So um, tell us about you, Vanessa, how did you get to this point here? How did I get to this point? Yeah, what a big question, Andrew, what a big question. How, where do we begin? Um, well, I was well, born and then... <laughs> yeah, I was born. So, <laughs> so yeah, so I was raised in, it reminds me of like professional interviews when you would like go to day job and they're like, tell me about yourself. And they're like, don't tell you where you're born. You have to actually say like, so, you know, but anyways, point being, um, completely different on podcast. But yeah, so I was raised in Brooklyn, New York and Boston, Massachusetts. And then before then, or not before then, and after then, went to went to California um, and was there for over a decade. Now I'm back in Massachusetts. So essentially, um, that was that. So I was, I mean, whatever. How did I get to today in terms of my coaching? So really, 
I'll start with my purpose. I'll start with my purpose and then go into things. Okay. So my purpose and my mission with your Visions Catalyst is to equip and empower ambitious solopreneurs to move forward in their business so that when that fateful day comes, because we all gonna die one day, you know, they can say that they live their life without any shoulda, coulda, or wouldas, right? Live their life without regret. And how did I come upon that uh, mission for your Visions Catalyst? Well, my purpose in life in general, which I discovered about eight years ago, and actually, wait, wait, nine years ago. Um, and my first life I discovered was is to essentially share information and resources with people so they become better versions of themselves. And so that's how I always like sort of live my day and live my live my time. And the way that your business catalyst fits into that is because really at the end of the day, I'm looking to help let people be miserable, right? I'm, up, I'm looking to help people actually move forward in their happiness. Because what I always find is that there's always something that people have always wanted to do, but they don't move forward in it, right? And the classic example is my mother. And so a few years ago, I actually was connecting with my aunt, who was my aunt slash godmother in the Haitian community. It's like usually the sibling also becomes a godparent, the whole thing. Anyway, so my aunt slash godmother, um, who actually passed away in 2020, not to COVID, but other things um but essentially she a couple of years ago i was able to connect with her and she essentially was telling me about my mother's story right preview so she was like yeah like your mother was like yeah she was like so smart like top of her class and like hate oh my mother grew up in haiti so i'm first generation born in america mother grew up in haiti mother and other um, aunts and uncles and all that stuff right so essentially you know she was like top of her class in Haiti and like all this stuff and she you know was like being invited to America which is like a big thing when you're like outside America people like getting invited to America and that was like a whole thing people were like oh yeah she's gonna do all this stuff blah 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 okay fast forward to today and the thing is so when my aunt was telling me that story I literally was like this that's the same woman in Massachusetts? You sure? That that one? You, you sure about that? Like, are we talking about the same person here? And I was like, are we talking, you sure? Like, will I switch that birth? Like, what's going on? So essentially, um, and the reason why I say that is because if you were to meet my mother today, or even just during even the, the last like 20 years, if you were to meet my mother like today, you just would not, you wouldn't have like known that that was a part of her story, right? And at the end of the day, it was, she is, I grew up, so she, as I was growing up, you know, low income, urban neighborhood, and sort of the question then becomes, I hear that story from my aunt about my mother's past and also like I used to think that I got my brains from like the other side of the family. I had to like, but turned out my brains came from my mother. Who knew? Again, shock. Um, but essentially the, the thing is, is that, you know, my mother, like the question becomes, how does someone who was top of their class and like getting all his accolades and like being invited to the country, how do they then go from that to now it's like struggling paycheck to paycheck? um you know not making anything beyond 36,000 a year like practice like low income low middle class technically because we're not in the poverty line but low middle class upper low income etc in an urban environment like how do you get from there from that to like right to there and so at the end of the day it was the realization of like some, her dreams got away from her right there's clearly something that she wants to do right she'll never tell me because she doesn't like to share about life but there's clearly something that she knows wanted to do and something that like, you know, it always spoken to her and something that she, you know, I think my, my guess is that it was actually opening a restaurant, but any point being that there also that she always wanted to do, but at some point in time, something happened, right? There was a shift in her belief in herself, a shift in maybe something happened in her life um, that essentially just changed like everything, pretty much changed the trajectory, right? And now just wasn't where she was. And the thing is that when I was in living, so I was doing my corporate life, this is my corporate America life. So now I'm, you know, going to corporate America and I've been, you know, this, this is like, that was one thing. At the same time, what's happening is I'm in corporate America. So I come, I'm corporate, somebody stopped me whenever, Andrew. So now I'm in corporate America and essentially 
I like, you know, I'm in corporate America. I'm like, man, and my first salary in corporate America, I was like, yeah, I make it two and a half times my, what my mother will ever make in her life. And like, OMG, I'm, I made it. I made it. Woo, woo, woo. So exciting. And then three months later, I did not want to get out of bed. <laughs> like three months later, I did not want to get out of bed. And Especially, and then especially more of those moments would happen in terms of me just living through corporate America, just like giving chance after chance. Like, is it the company? Is it the boss? Like, I don't understand. I'll switch companies, get a salary increase. I'll be like, oh my goodness, I'm making, I'm like trying to get this like promotion that I deserve and I get the promotion. It's the same job, et cetera. It's the whole situation. Point being, fast forward. And at the same time, during this time of when that was happening, that's when I heard my mother, my aunt was telling me about my mother. And essentially I realized I took a step back and I was like, wait a second, like <laughs> I'm probably on the same trajectory as her. <laughs> wait boss no right and not so much the trajectory of the paycheck to paycheck but the trajectory of like just not doing what you want to do right and like living a life that you don't want to you don't like waking up on Mondays right or it pains you to think about you know and the thing there were some good moments in my life like my corporate life I was ranking up the points and miles I love traveling like I had some great experiences but at the end of the day the culture that I was in just wasn't working out right switch companies then it was like the boss it was like it wasn't even the culture the culture was great but the boss is bad and I was like oh my god um and I was like and essentially there was a sign after sign after sign that was just pulling me towards the direction of entrepreneurship and pulling me I didn't know that at the time until I entered entrepreneurship but essentially there were signs at the sign just telling me that I wasn't, I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing, right? That there was something, I just, I just didn't belong, right? But there's somewhere, but I had to believe that, I believe that there's somewhere I belong, right? I was like, there's no way that I made it from where I was to Stanford, to here, to then be like miserable. That just not, that did not make sense to me at all whatsoever. So with that being said, I put that statement and problem into the world. And, but then essentially it wasn't until then a couple months later, I would then rebrand that poor dad. Um, and then from that, that then showed me about how, pretty much for me, it, it was like how accessible entrepreneurship really was, right? So I read a book and I was like, yeah, okay. It seems like I'm, I must be there. Maybe this other path, right? This other path of living life that is not just, you know, paycheck to paycheck or not even just like waiting for someone to pay you, et cetera, right? And there's a space where I can actually create my own culture, right? Because even during corporate America, I was like, man, would it be great if I just create my own culture? Oh, wouldn't that be great? Um, and I read this book and I was like, oh, look, I can do that. It's called doing my own company. Oh, look. Oh, okay, great. And actually it's like something that's like actually accessible to people. And like, it's not just for, you know, people in like Palo Alto or people in like, um, you know, Silicon Valley. It's like actually accessible for people. Anyone could do this, at least in, in America. And so with that being said, that's yeah that was that um and I said there's a little more experiences but yeah then my my friend actually at the same time I was reading that book my friend actually had paid me she had been like the first person to pay me for essentially helping her out outside of my actual day job and so she paid me she actually called me and she's like Vanessa like I got this grant for this like project I'm doing and I would love to just like like you're like really good at just like you know, be on task and get stuff done. And so like, you know, can you just help me out? So especially she hired me to be like her executive producer slash project manager of her like podcast on like the side. Um, she was also doing on the side for of her own like day job, et cetera. And so that's was kind of like my first like outside the workplace gig, paid gig, if you can say. Um, and yeah, it was a, it was 200, $200, but it was, oh no, yeah, it was $200, but it was $200. But um, so yeah, exactly. It was two hundred dollars, but it was two hundred dollars. So it was like um, just like that, that first like, ooh, look at me. Um, but then it still, but entrepreneurship still wasn't in my mind. It wasn't until then I read the book. Then it was like, oh, I put two and two together, and it was a whole situation. So that's what happened there. Um, and then the one day in the springtime, it was a couple of years back. I like woke up with the idea of giving this catalyst essentially. After that, that's how I am today. That's how I am today. <laughs>
<laughs> and helping people to move forward in their business and getting it going. And yeah, that's me. That's me. You you said in there, trying to unpick stuff out from that. <laughs> Where is it going? Right <laughs> uh, so yeah, and there's that thing about um, people giving up on their dreams and never realizing them and that kind of thing. So when you were younger, did you have sort of dreams in your head then that you were aware of? Or is it only later on where you suddenly thought, actually, I've never even thought about that. I need to find some. Later on. So I would say the, yeah, so definitely much later on in my life. So I did, I wasn't the one like, oh, let me start a lemonade stand. No, that wasn't me. Like, but like, that was not me. Um, I literally was like, oh, let me just do well in school. And like, I have friends and like, life is good. And I, I like, in my mind, like my childhood was actually like pretty great. Like I had friends, we would laugh, we would play. Life was good. I did live with roaches for 18 years, but otherwise it was like a good, like, so and, like my mind has some good childhood memories. That's still have some friends I connect with still um, even today but essentially in terms of for me when I was eight years old though there was a, when I was eight years old there was a moment where I was you know watching the news you know the news like they they have patterns in their their stories for a couple of days so anyway there was this one week in the news when I was like eight years old I may have been seven but I was seven eight years old in Brooklyn New York and essentially there was like this pattern in the news where it was like seven-year-old shot and killed, nine-year-old missing, eight-year-old da-da-da. And essentially it was just all these kids either dead, being killed, but they're just like living their life and then like being dead the next day. And essentially it was, or being dead the next minute, right? They're on the park, being dead the next minute. And so there's this pattern that popped up. And I was like, man, this could be me. I'm watching the news in my bed. And then I started thinking, I was like, hmm, what if like I did die like tomorrow? Like what would happen? Like who would come to my funeral? I started thinking about my funeral. Like I just planned this out, playing on funeral. I was like, oh yeah. Well, if my mother would come because she would have to, like obligations. And at that time I had so at that time I had thought I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought I mean, yeah, at that time I thought that was like I was still in the whole like, I think I'm from aliens or something. I think I'm like one from aliens and I came from like outer space. Yeah. Um, but a couple years after that, my people would tell me I look at my mother and I was like, darn it. <laughs> I guess I must be able to be. Anyway, that was that age anyway. But oh so, yeah, I was like, oh, I guess I'm like related to her. I guess it's like a thing, okay. But, or the aliens are really good at coding me. I don't know. But pretty much, you know, essentially when I was like eight, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm thinking about, okay, my mother would come as an obligation because she's my mother. And then I was like, who else would come? Well, my friends would all be in like school. Like their parents would let them come to their funeral. And then I was thinking about all the, like the babysitters I had. My mother would work like overtime and other such things. So I had like a lot of babysitters friends as well too who also had kids so those were essentially my friends but pretty much yeah I've had like 12 babysitters I would say in total just like 12 different family dynamics that I'd like been exposed to um it was great it's quite fortunate in terms of being very grateful for me and my mother <laughs> very grateful um and then essentially the uh, yeah so then I was like there's okay well maybe like the babysitters might come but then they're also working and I was like no 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 okay cool so I was like okay what would happen if I died tomorrow okay great then I was like well what would I want the funeral to look like all right so I was like what would I want the funeral to look like okay and then I was like what would I want to look like how would I want people to be and I was like, I just want people to be like happy right and just like you know celebrating life and I just thought it was like color I was like why do people wear black to funeral that's so like depressing like where's some colors in my funeral you know and then and this, this is me to talk to myself but essentially as yeah, an eight-year-old but pretty much and then from there I was like okay what I want people like because now because the question was then okay what would I want my funeral to look like what if I made it to like I don't know adulthood right in my mind as a child adulthood is just like 
adulthood. <laughs> like it's not, it's not in a, like, something, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't even like Literally anything all. that was like, yeah, exactly. Uh, I was like 20, 20s. I think I was thinking myself in the, like 18, 20s. Like I wasn't even like, you know, going beyond to like 40. I was like, okay, adulthood. Um, but anyways, what I want people to say at this funeral, right? It's like, okay, so then I visited people like being at this funeral and they would just like come up to like friends, like people who were actually directly like friends with me or relations to me and my family. They were just like strangers who would just like come up at the funeral and they'll just be there and be like, oh my gosh, like, Vanessa has been so amazing, like helping me with like my life. Like she changed my life so much, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's what they would like, things like that they would say. I didn't have anything specifics in mind, but I like, that was the thing that I had thought that they would be saying. Well, that's the thing like I want people to say at my funeral in adulthood, if I'm into adulthood. And so that was essentially how, that's pretty much like the, the moment there, but that's pretty much essentially after that. I've always thought about that in my mind. It's always been like in the back of my mind of just like that moment when I was eight years old, like in Brooklyn, New York, like that week when I saw those news stories and I thought to myself, what my funeral would be like and then like what would I want it to look like what would I want it to be like what would I want people to say and that's been sort of a, I guess a driving force so to speak one could say um and then yeah right. and ever since then I've just always been a goal-oriented person so yeah. I mean I mean that's 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 you know that's pretty deep thinking at that age and again that sort of standard pattern of where am I what do I want where am I what do I want uh, that, yeah to start on that process then that's pretty uh pretty impressive actually <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I thank you. I thank you. Um, but yeah, that was, I don't know, it's just me. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's just me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say. I was planning their funeral. But I realized that later in life that this wasn't a normal thought to have. Um, but um, I was like, oh yeah, I just thought of my funeral when I was eight. Like, duh, like, you know, like, you know, don't we all die? Like, don't you know that? Like, oh, like, um, but yeah, so, yeah. yeah but again, was, that but that it. progressive, as you say, goal-orientated approach that sort of set you forward but so, so how how did when you got to that the corporate america bit where you suddenly realized you didn't want to get up in the morning on a monday morning type thing had was there a period where you kind of stepped away from that what i want people to say about me at my funeral type of thing and kind of lost track of that or did you think that it was something you were doing correctly and it turned out to be wrong so interesting you say that andrew and you put it like that because essentially there was a I was in corporate America. And the thing that I didn't realize this, like in it, in it, so to speak, there was a, that worked for like two different companies and different think, Just a context, what sort of thing you're doing? Just so we've got some sort of context. Yeah. So essentially in the, the first, the first job I was in consulting, consulting for different companies. So in different industries. And so I was sort of like the external consultant, they would hire, you know, as for working for a top firm and they always oh, look at my LinkedIn Deloitte. So anyways, but they would hire Deloitte for like their company. And essentially it was the, like, I work for different industries. So nuclear manufacturing, med tech, finance, um, apparel, toy company, apparel company, all the jazz, all different industries, different functions, marketing, sales, how to do an IPO, the supply chain, procurement, ind- all the jazz. So essentially I had an experience in different functions in different industries. And I love doing that because for me, the reason why I entered consulting to begin with so that actually came to college pre-med. I was going to be a nurse surgeon, but that's beside the point. Anyways, and then to corporate America and business. Um, and the thing is like before corporate America, I had been working for like 10 plus years. I've always had a job since I was like in my teens um, in different professional spaces in the nonprofit space, mostly essentially when I was like in Boston, Massachusetts, just like working jobs, like after school, my mother provided food, water and shelter, but I, I paid for my phone bill um, and I paid for like my bus ticket and I paid for, you know, to get myself to from school. And so like had different jobs there. And in my mind, I was also like saving for college, but I realized I wasn't, I wasn't really saving. I, anyways, point being, but beside the point, it was like, I didn't quite have the concept of how much college costs. So I was like saving, but I like 
realized in the end I wasn't actually saving, but point being, um, like I was saving, but I really like, you know, like it wasn't even near a fraction of like what was needed. But point being that I, you know, then came to corporate America. I have all these years of work experience and I have like in workspace, including like tutoring and mentoring people. And like, so in that sense, it's like, in my mind, I'd always been like, when I think about the coaching I'm doing now, I think about the skills and my past experiences, like doing it now, I'm like, oh, this has always been what I always was supposed to be doing, but doing it, you know, but it was through those experiences. Like I'd always been tutoring people, always been mentoring people, always wanted to like get people to a better version of themselves, like, oh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But get to corporate America, doing this like job and traveling around the countries, but even traveling around the world actually. Um, and that was amazing in terms of like getting those miles and like getting my meals paid for. It was awesome. It was fantastic but essentially the team I was working on you know it was like the boss just wasn't a great boss um the culture of just like being black and a female in corporate America just wasn't wasn't the vibe and it was very much like at like I would be getting feedback about my personality and or how I looked and it wasn't so much about my work it was like my work was amazing because no one could say anything about that but there was something that was like off they were like yeah, I mean, maybe she could like smile at her laptop. Like maybe she could, you know, like, you know, when I say maybe she, like essentially they would be, you're assigned someone who's like three to four levels above you or two to three levels above you in the organization and in the hierarchy. And they're responsible for connecting with like all your past like team leads to then come up with a two minute summary to then present to the director of the region to determine your rating, which determines your bonus, determines your salary, determines all sorts of things. So anyways, so they would like, you know, be like, oh yeah, there's something, maybe she could look smaller, her dog, smaller the laptop, or she could just like, you know, be a little more, you know, I don't know, like just something like, you know, she always asks questions when, you know, I like tell her to do something, she asks questions, like maybe she could just like ask less questions, like she could just like do it. I don't know, it was very, it was very much like, you know, people just want me like a yes ma'am, yes sir like type of person I was like I did not get a Stanford degree I did not to like not use my brain like I, like sorry not sorry like I like you know I mean I don't get it like I just I don't understand what you're saying and then I remember the I remember the one of the and they called people like the, your counselor sort of person um and so I would speak to her and she was like give me the feedback she was like and this, this is another woman as well too who in her life she had experienced the same feedback but she had like decided to internalize it and adapt and adjust to it right and me I just wasn't trying to adapt or adjust to it I was just like you have got to be kidding me and but essentially the way that she described she was like you could tell she was like when she was giving me the feedback she was telling me the feedback but at the same time she was also trying to convince herself that it was the right feedback mm. like so it was a little bit of like telling me but I was trying to tell herself because she knew because and the thing that you knew because she knew that it wasn't good feedback but that's the only thing that people would tell her and so she was just like I'm just gonna tell her this because I also tell myself this. And so, but like, anyways, this whole weird thing. But she was like, yeah, you know, some people, just, they just have egos and like, you just need to like, uh, you know, just, you know, just say yes, you know, just like when you, when you just, you just gotta, you know, adapt and adjust and da, 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 blah, blah, blah. And then she went to this whole thing and then I'm just sitting there nodding my head like, hmm, hmm, hmm. And at the end, she was like, man, you're taking this feedback so well. Some people would just be so angry. You're taking it so well. I just wanted to commend you on that. It's just so great. I'm thinking to myself, of course, I'm taking it well. I'm sitting here in an office with a bunch of people who like, oh my God. Like, anyway, the point being, which is the whole situation. It was just bad. But with that being said, to your question, right? And then at the end of the day, I was, I had lost myself, right? In corporate, I had lost myself. And the moment I realized that was when, so it was a couple months after I started your business catalyst, I got invited to a panel. I went on this panel and there was a question 
that the audience had um, polls in terms of like, it was like, what are you working on now? Or like, what is something that you're like focusing on? Something like that. And I sat there and I had to, and I was like, you know, I'm working on finding myself again because I realized that, I don't know where that, that, that question, that answer came from, but essentially at that, at that moment, it was like, oh, wait, I realized that there was a moment where I did lose myself in corporate America, where I was, you know, I used to be like Vanessa, I rolled to a space, like I did not care what anyone thought. I was just me and you just dealt with it. And like, it is what it is, right? And the thing is that there was time in corporate America where I was just like trying to adjust myself and like, okay, they told me not to do this. So let me do that. And like, let me, you know, I was trying to like fit in, so to speak, mm-hmm. in a sense. And in fitting in, I was losing myself, right? And the thing is that, you know, I realize now, essentially it's like, it wasn't that I need to fit in. It was just that people just need to adjust to me, right? And if they couldn't, then it wasn't the environment for me. I just had to like move to the next environment, right? Because then the, ne- the next job I had, the next company I worked for, it was a like, great culture. They accepted me, but then I had like a terrible boss, but that's a whole other story. Um, but yeah, but essentially it was, I did lose myself. To answer your question, yes, I did lose myself in corporate America. And essentially I spent like, I'll spend the next, let's see, like year or so, I would say, actually, yeah, I would say 2020 was me trying to find myself again. Well, mm-hmm. no, 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 it wasn't that 2020. Was this 2020? Maybe I forget the years these days. But essentially, it we, was. We, we missed. We missed one somewhere. So whatever. Yeah, we is, missed those. Know, one off, you, know. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> the years anymore. But essentially, the yeah, I spent like time essentially like finding myself back because realizing that I had lost that confident like Vanessa who was just like, yeah, just it is what it is. Like whatever. Like why not? And so in trying to adapt and like fit into this like environment and you know trying to adjust and be like, I don't get why people are like suspicious of me I'm just walking through a building like why are people like it was just it was just yeah I'm just very acute and aware of like microaggressions and so it was just like a whole situation also being the Bay Area San Francisco area not good for the brown people um and so it was just not not good for the visibly brown people and put that way actually in the Pacific and so in that sense it just wasn't it, it was just a lot of things I just was like okay um this is a sign and but I was like oh maybe it's just a company it's not corporate America it's a company so then I would like go to another company and like all this other stuff but yeah but I'll say yes I did lose myself mm. but now I've got myself back <laughs> and I th- there's there's an interesting because we, we hear a lot about authenticity and be yourself and and that sort of thing and and it's such a common tale what you've just said there in terms of we try and fit in and be somebody that we're not and all the rest of it but I think there is another side which I always struggle that's not the word mm-hmm. <laughs> worth exploring because at the other end of it because you become yourself you become who you are but there are times where you have to learn adapt shift change yeah so mm-hmm. well, let's try something see what works let's try something different which is changing yourself there are mm-hmm. times when you need to change who you are so with your journey how how do you know what's the point which is core you which this has to run through everything i do and which are bits which i experiment and play with and try and test I would say the question comes down to how do you feel about it, right? If you are like, yes, you do have to like change as a part, like first of all, change, with change comes growth, right? And with change comes transformation, right? And there is a point where you have to adapt and flex. I've been adapting and flexing different spaces all my entire life, right? And what I could like, even just going from like, Brooklyn, New York, fast talking, fast walking, go to Boston. Oh my gosh, you speak so fast. Oh my gosh, you walk so fast. Like, oh my goodness. Like, oh, say thank you. You know, like stuff like that, right? Then going to California, you know, the West side. And it's just like, 
oh, da da da, so chill, so relaxed. Like people are like fake, you know, they don't want to tell you stuff directly. It's like a, you know, hidden thing. I have like, you know, just even that at the highest level, I've had to adapt and flex right all throughout my life, right? And the thing is, at some point in time, it's a matter of do you wake up liking yourself today? Right. That's what it comes down to. Do you wake up liking yourself today? Right. And so if someone like, sure, like, yeah, adapt to saying yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. Right. Like, there's one thing to tell someone to tell be like, like I, was, I like to say in Brooklyn, I learned my confidence. In Boston, I learned how to say thank you and may I and please. And then in uh <laughs> and in California, right, I learned how to like relax about life. And so, right, but the thing is, if if I had decided to be like, oh. I go to Boston, people are like, Vanessa, walk slower, walk, you know, da, da, da. then I'm like trying to like pace my walking and I'm like trying to like speak slower and nor torture, like it's just, it just, I wouldn't have felt comfortable or I, mean, I wouldn't have felt comfortable in a good way, right? Because you have to, there's some discomfort that you need when it comes to change, right? Change, discomfort, it's all a whole part of growth, but it just wouldn't have felt like something that really spoke to me, right? And the thing is, at the end of the day, and part of like being me is like some people, some people just don't like me and that's okay, right? Like that's just, okay. that's just like my life. Like people are people who like me, people who don't like me. There are people who vibe with me. It's not even so much a like, people who vibe with me, right? And people who don't vibe with me, right? And the thing is that, and the, but the thing is I just see, I have respect for everyone with any sort of good skill. I'm like, you know, I appreciate your style. I appreciate your this. I appreciate that. We don't have to hang out together. We don't have to be best friends, right? But at the very least, you know, it's just like, yeah, that's what changes the way I live my life. But point being, I would say that the question of, you know, how do you decide what, when to change and when to not change is just, do you like waking up in the morning as yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like the procrastinator who's like, oh my God, I hate procrastinating. I don't get anything done with procrastination versus the procrastinator who's like, oh my gosh, I'm procrastinating, but I'm always getting stuff done on time. And it's always being done well, right? Two different, two different things, right? The person who's like procrastinating and keeping them from getting stuff done in their life and accomplish their goals, they probably need to change. They might want to change that, right? The person who's procrastinating and they're, you know, making things happen in their life and they're getting stuff done and like procrastination seems to be something that's working for them, mm. you know? Like, and so it's, it's one of those things where are you getting done what you want to get done? Do you feel good about how your life is? Do you feel good about what it is that you got done or what you didn't get done? Do you feel good about waking up in the morning as yourself, right? And can you feel good about you and your own skin? Because at the end of the day, you're looking at yourself in the mirror. You are the one waking up with your own body and your own soul and your own spirit. Right. And so do you feel good about that? And what is it you're waking up in? If the answer is yes, go forth and prosper. Right. If it's no, then it's time for you to change. Yeah. I think that's a, a brilliant uh, sum up. I mean, it's, a, it's a great hook. And I like, I like the fact that, you know, you, you're talking about in going to different places and it was a case you would try, you would give things a go, you would test things out. It wouldn't just be a case of ain't going to do that. That's not me. You would at least give it a go. So you would try slowing down and, and then decide it wouldn't be just a, a blanket. Um, mm -hmm. But my next question for them is, <laughs> and this, the, do you, with the people you're working with, when you see this and you see, and then that thing of wake up in the morning, do you like who I am and that kind of thing, do you first need to get to the point where you like yourself first, which some people challenge, struggle with, and then worry about the authenticity? Or do you become who you are and then learn to love yourself? Oh, interesting question. Do you like yourself first, which then allows you to be in the spaces? That is definitely okay. Versus do you become who you are and then like yourself? Love you, So love, love yourself, love yourself, then become authentic or become authentic and then love, learn to love yourself. 
Well, you can't be authentic if you don't know yourself. But then you're saying love yourself. So let's say you know yourself, but you don't love yourself. So you got, first, you've got to know yourself before you can become yes. truly authentic. Yes. You got to know yourself. You got to know the, the yourself that we've talked about here, right? You got to know yourself. Okay, so now you know yourself. And then the question is, do you then be authentic and then love yourself? Or do you love yourself first and then be authentic? And I think essentially at the end of the day, being authentic, I just is... I look up when I'm thinking in my thoughts. <laughs> Being authentic is essentially like the root, like for me, the definition of being authentic is you showing up as your full self, right? In a space. But in order to have, but that takes confidence, right? And that takes willpower. In order to have that confidence, there has to be a level which you are loving yourself and you are loving how it is that you're showing up. Like, I don't think someone who doesn't love themselves will show up authentically because there will always be some doubt. There'll always be some like, shroud of like oh let me like pivot myself in some way or shift you know there'll always be some sort of like thoughts that are defining their actions and creating their like facial expressions or their emotions around them i feel and, and, there's, and there's no agenda of these questions just me coming off yeah. the, the, the yes. right sort of thing so uh, so i might run with that and i'm thinking actually you can show up authentically but not love yourself and that's where you move into the victim mode so people that are showing mm. up as a kind of the the, the victim sort of um uh, in a weak way and not accessing their power are actually showing authentically for the, who they are at the moment, but they then have to change internally to discover the power and then come, come out powerfully. But you're saying that that person, did they know of their power? No, they don't know. They, 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 they've squashed their power. So it's like lying undiscovered waiting for you to tap into it and unreveal it. <laughs> um, but if they, so if they haven't discovered it at the moment, they are being authentic because they are displaying who they are or they think they're being authentic, which might be different. I don't know what he's going by. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's thinking you're being authentic, being authentic right? Authentic. Yeah, exactly. So how thing. Do you it's know, like, yeah. Yeah. There's thinking that you're weak and then showing up as weak and thus you are authentic, right? Yes, but then there's knowing that you're not weak and thus you don't show up as weak. Or like, you know, like it's, yeah. so in that case, it's like, that person is not necessarily being, I guess, okay, I guess they are being authentic because they know themselves as weak. And so they are showing up as weak. Mm, which and so thus, but do they love themselves though? That, that's but either, it. Way, and, and but hence, either yeah. Hence, hence the order can be, be switched. Yes. Around, mm -hmm. And I think it comes back to your point, which is I, I'm totally on board with is you've got to know yourself first. And the, the more, or, or at least the more you know yourself, the better you can work with it <laughs> yeah pretty much exactly right you gotta know what you're working with you gotta know what you're working with know what to work with it yes yeah. and how, yeah. how how do you um advise people how did you go down that path of getting to know yourself because obviously you were talking about that period where you're saying hey i need to rediscover myself refine myself and yeah looted a couple of books but is there standard processes for getting to know yourself that you would recommend I would say, and the thing is for me is I had already known myself. I just lost myself. Do you see what I'm saying? Like I had already known myself. And so I had that reference point. Yeah. And that's how I was then able to say this contrast of where I was in the present moment was not what it could be because I had already been at a place like there's obviously like a level, you know, of even greater than where I had been. Right. But in terms of I was at point A, now I'm at point B and I'm like, I like point A. Why am I not at point A anymore? You know, like it was very much like a, I had been in a different point in the alphabet and, but I had understood that there was another point that I could have been at. And that was the, so it was one of those, like, I knew myself, I lost myself, 
And it was then in losing myself and realizing the contrast of what, what was and what, what is and being able to say, oh, wait, how do I get back to what was, mm. <laughs> right? And obviously like what was is not perfect, but at least it's better than what is. And so in that sense, it was then to get to that journey, it was like understanding and knowing that there was a what was, I think actually helps me out. Whereas other people, it's like, they don't even know that contrast. It's just like a, I've always been weak, haven't I? Like, you know, or I've always been lost, haven't I? Like, so to speak. Whereas for me, it was like, no, there was a time when I was uh, confident, bold and and not lost. (laughs) And then, so, you know, I, I can, I know that there's like that, that's waiting for me and that's still inside of me. And I just had to tap into that, right? And that became a lot of, I like just spoke and like ask friends and like, yeah, spoke with a coach. Um, where I ended up doing like a two and a half day intensive, um, working one-on-one with a coach in Occidental, California. Um, and it was a whole bunch of tears and snot and like a whole bunch of sleep. Cause you know, when you do that type of work, you gotta sleep, you gotta sleep, you gotta sleep. Um, but yeah, we like really met like eight to 10 hours a day and just like, you know, like went through all the thoughts in my life and all the stuff and all the stuff. Who was that with? Um, great question. I forget her name. This is a couple years back. Um, actually, at the time, I didn't even realize it was a life coach, life coach in that sense of like coaching. Actually, I was like literally just like Googling therapy and then like it popped up on Yelp and I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, let me go for this like intensive experience. I'm a intensive person. I'm like, why am I meeting someone every week for like a year when I already know I need to get stuff done? Like, that's just the way I work. Um, like for me, I'm just like, if we already know that we want to handle the problem, let's handle the problem. Like why are we waiting a whole year to handle the problem every single week? Like, that's just me. I just prefer to handle the problem when we handle the problem. Um, but yes, I'm like, the change gonna come. Let's make it come now. Like, why are we waiting for it to come? Um, okay, so let's see. I forget her name, but I know I have her name in my... It's just out of interest. It wasn't... Uh, yeah. Wasn't but I it comes to mind, it comes yeah. to mind. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's fine. But, um, so so when you're working with people who don't know themselves, how do you help them find That's them? the thing, Andrew. I can't work with people who don't know themselves. That's the thing. That's the answer to say I can't. I can't work with people who don't know themselves. And I have a whole course that I work on because people my my clients call me their business strategist life strategist project manager right and so there's a component of life coaching and life strategy within my like business and what I teach I'm all about people take taking care of business and also taking care of yourself right I'm all about teaching people how do they take care of their business and make their business happen but also taking care of themselves right in all areas of their life including their business their family all that stuff right and so that is like me and so it's always in there but in terms of people who don't know themselves I I know I, I did not work with them. I would say there's not knowing your idea and just also not knowing yourself. Those people I say go to therapy because you will not be able to or not even go there but like speak to someone who specializes in you knowing yourself, right? And the thing is like when it comes to like a life coach, right? Like work with the life coach, work with some sort of therapy, work with someone who's gonna like really guide you through that whole process of getting to know yourself, right? Because at the end of the day, it's you and not so much knowing yourself. You don't have to like definitely know yourself. But if you are the space where you are literally like, I am a weakling, I cannot help you. But if you're at the space where like, I know this power within me and I want to receive that power, then let's get you to that power, right? But if you're just like, oh my God, uh, I'm just a terrible person, that I'm not the person. I'm just not that one. I'm not the one, right? Um, I know some people who are the one for you, but I'm, I'm not that one, right? Because I work with people and it's just like, um, and things, I, I commend those people who are the ones, right? It's an exhaustive process. You have to take that person in. It's a whole energetic thing as well, too. Um, that's why they say therapists have therapists, right? Um, but essentially, it, I mean, because it, it is like, that's what the process entails, right? And the type of life strategy I do with my clients is more so, okay, you had this thing come up, right? 
in like life, let's handle it, right? Are you having imposter syndrome? You have fear of doubt, you have fear of self-worth, right? All that stuff is going to come up when it comes to business and entrepreneurship, because it is, some, some people say what, it's um, personal development on steroids, right? In terms of entrepreneurship. And so when that comes, like that's all going to come up and I work with people on that. But when it comes down to, you had this issue because your mother did something to you back in the day, or your father did this, or you are living in an environment, but like that stuff, that's some historical pasting that you need to work through before you can th even think about being present in the present moment, right? Because when it comes down to it, it's like, there is no reason why I should be putting more energy into my client's business than they are, right? At that point, it's like a question of, I literally like get on the phone with them. And I'm like, so what do you, like, what do you want? Like, what do you want? Right. Like, and I literally like I asked him a question, what do you want? Right. And the thing is, it then leads to someone who's open to the conversation, at least a transformative change. I remember I had a conversation with someone like a couple months ago, and I was like, okay, we've been trying to work on this business for this amount of time. And it seems like every time you try to do something, you keep coming up with an excuse, you're, you're coming up with all this other stuff. You're not like, you know, so what's happening? Like, what do you want? And we had a whole three hour conversation on just like what she wanted. Turns out what we were working on was not what she actually wanted. Right. But she was open to that. Right. And she was open to that. She made herself open to that, open to listening, open to the change. And now she's on this path. Right. Because to like do what it is that she actually wants. And she's like selling it and all sorts of stuff. But the thing is that she was at the block in terms of she was doing something that she actually didn't want to want to do. Right. But then I've also had um, a conversation with another client where it was like, I can see that she's not doing what she actually wants to do. Right. So I addressed that. I bring it up. So what do you want? And she's like, I'm insulted that you're saying that I did not want that. Right. And because but the thing is, because she wasn't open to that. She wasn't open to that discussion. She was open to that change. Right. And the thing is, if you're not open to that, then I cannot help you. If you're not open to seeing that, listen, at the end of the day, are you insulted because I'm lying? Or are you insulted because I held up the mirror and I had you looking at yourself in the mirror? Right. Like, what are you insulted by? That's the question. Right. And at the end of the day, like she just wasn't open to it, a conversation. Mm -hmm. Right. And the thing I gave her lots of nuggets and maybe she'll reflect on it and she will come back in a year later. And she's like, oh, Vanessa was right. I know she's going to be like, I know I was right. But essentially, it's a matter of are you open to listening to that? And if you're not open to listen to that, you'll be in, be in the same place. But I cannot work with people who are in the stage where they want to change and you know, or like not so much they want. They don't want to change because they think they're right. They don't know it all. And if someone gives them the advice, third party perspective, and they're like, nah, and I'm like, okay, cool. Like we cannot work together, right? That's just like what it comes down to, right? Because I can put all my energy into your business. I can put all my energy into your goals because when I work with my clients, I'm like taking in your business as my own. I'm like, okay, how do we help you? How do we ensure that you're getting through, right? But I'm not going to sit there and do the work for you, right? At some point in time, you have to do the work yourself. And if I see that you're not doing the work yourself, I'm going to bring it up to you, right? We're going to address the elephant in the room. What do you want? Right. And if you are not open to seeing that you don't want what you actually want, I don't know what else to tell you. Like, it's not like, right. It's just like, listen, I, this is what it is. It is what it is. And you can accept it or you cannot accept it. And we can move forward in that, or you can stay stuck where you are. Like, but it is what it is. Right. And so to your answer your question of what do I do with people who are <laughs> in the stage where they are, you know, they don't really quite know themselves. I don't work with them. Right. I, that I do not work with them. Right. The thing is that business, like business now, entrepreneurship is a personal development journey, right? It is a personal development journey. It is a marathon. It is not a sprint. I would say this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a personal development journey. Right. But if you have not started that journey where you're not even, you have all this stuff in your life that you haven't even addressed yet. You have all these like moments and experiences in your life that you haven't even like talked to someone about like entrepreneurship is like your second step, your first step should be sitting in an office room or sitting with like or something, something that will have you crying your eyes out. Okay. You need to have something that will have you crying your eyes out, punching walls, 
punching bags, getting all that out, and then, then you'll, you'll be ready for entrepreneurship. That's what I say. Can't disagree with that. Once <laughs> 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 you're running your own business, there's nowhere to hide anymore. You know, exactly. In, exactly. in a job, you can sort of squirrel away, whatever. But when it's your own thing, you're you're out there. And yes. and again, and you, you touched on a very good point as well there. And it's if if you know if if you say something and I am offended by what you've said, the step should be okay. That's interesting. Why am I offended? Let's explore that. And that leads me down a path of getting to getting me to know me better and yes. lead you down the path of exactly what you're saying of uncovering those things the way that you need then to need to cry and hit the wall and all the rest of it. If I'm sat there going, you've offended me and it's your fault and you need to do something about it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're, you're in the wrong space. So, yeah. yeah. It's I, I, only I, in the I, first space where the change happens, right? It's where transformation yeah, yeah. and growth can happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's quite a lot of change in terms of putting people into those uncomfortable positions so that you can learn from them. Um, exactly. But exactly. If you're not open to it, you ain't going to do it. Precisely. And I have no issues putting you in a comfortable space. I have no issues uh, putting you in a comfortable space. It comes from being, you know, my Northeast springing. My just like, let's just be real talk. Like, why are we hiding behind? Like, let's just talk it out. Why not? Right. I remember like when I had, uh, when I see, the role of my coworkers, I was like, I feel like my coworker feels a certain way about me. So I'm just gonna like, I schedule time. I'm like, so what, what, what's the problem with me? You know, like what, what do you, what, let me know what she did. You know, I'm just like, I'm other people. I'm just like, listen, let's just address it out there in the open because I like, I don't got time and energy for wasting my time and energy, right? Like, and you know, it's just, so that's the way that I work. And so I have no issues putting you in an uncomfortable space but you gotta be open to it, right? And if you're not open to it, what else can I do? <laughs> like I don't, you know. And that's it. That's the thing. You got to be in that on that on that journey, and then you can then you can get help. But um, yeah, help with that sort of thing. Um, so again, trying to pick things up as they come flying past, sort of thing. So you you you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're England. We're a lot slower than East Coast America. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Probably on a par with no, California. Cool, happens to everyone. I just put stuff out there. I'm just like <laughs> take whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> um yes did you you were talking about books earlier on and you obviously said you're an author so did did you mention writing a book were you talking about reading a book I couldn't quite catch out with but you've written a book yeah yes I have written a book yeah finished the solopreneur's guide to getting stuff done so that was that was so so because you went you went through that in about (laughs) three milliseconds so let's just pull back talk us about that how you came about how you created it what you're using it for whatever but yeah, so this book actually, I would say, started when I was, I'm saying this book started, so I never in my life was like, oh, I'm gonna be an author, like, or like, maybe I have, but I didn't realize, remember that thought, I don't know, but I just like, didn't like, oh, I'm gonna write a book, and like, oh, that wasn't like anything that was in my mind, so this book, though, came from years and years, each year, I would, each year, there would be a different person from a different space in my life, different walk of life, who would, like, Vanessa, how do you do it? Like, you're just like, like, how, how do you do it? That was a question of my life. How do you do it? I would get that question every year from a different person, no matter what. I started getting that question when I was like, when I was 12 years old, when the first time someone told me that question, we were on, the, we were at the train station and we were in, uh, oh no, I think it was 13 years old, train station, Fields Corner, Boston, Massachusetts. They were like, so how do you do it? And I was like, I study, I don't know, like, I was like right, and so, but that was the first time, yes, first time I got that question, and then every year after that, I would always just get that question, Vanessa, how do you do it, went to college, same thing, people would ask me that question, after college, same thing, people ask me, in corporate America, how do you do it, and I could always see that when that person would ask me that question, 
they were always asking for it. They seemed like they were asking for something, like some rich like information. And I was just like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just do like, I just couldn't, I didn't really have an, I was like, I don't know what the people are asking me. Like I just do stuff. Like I don't know what they asked me. Cool. So with that, then what happened is that, and that part of that is actually what fed into also your business catalyst starting. And when my friend, like, you know, asked me to like, you know, actually be executive producer, project manager for her podcast. And I was like, oh yeah, sure. Great. Blah, blah, blah. Um, is, you know, realizing that my zone of genius is getting stuff done in terms of like, going after my goal, right? I think we talked about this earlier where I'm just like, what do I want? Cool, let me get there, um, right? And it's like being, like going after my goal and actually achieving goals, et cetera, right? And it's getting stuff done in my life, right? And so that's sort of my zone, my zone of genius or one of my zone of geniuses, the other one is problem solving, which comes hand in hand with like getting stuff done in your life. But with that being said, I then was like, okay, I start your business catalyst. I'm like, okay, cool. Like let me help people with their businesses, okay, cool. Then a couple months later, I was like, okay, I need to build my expertise online you know, ooh, I could do a blog every week. Like that would be like, ooh, let me write a blog every week. And then me and my efficient minds was like, we could write a blog every week or we could just write a book. That's how the thought of me writing a book came about. Like, I kid you not. And so I was like, I'm just gonna go write a book. I thought this thought, I did not say it to anyone. I did not type anything up. Of course, what happens, I go on Facebook. I have been on Facebook in like maybe Oh, I think the last time I was on Facebook, I put, I put up a photo album at the time, at the time that I was, I went on Facebook. I had been on Facebook in like ages. I go on Facebook. What do I see? An ad for a book program. And I was like, okay, cool. That's a sign. Great. Do that. So anyways, yeah. So essentially I wrote my, well, I wrote my book in the span of 48 hours. I planned the book in three months, but I wrote the book in the span of less than 48 hours. And it's a 13 chapter rich book. Amazing. Five stars. You should get it. But it's available on Amazon as an ebook and it's called Finish, a Solopreneur's Guide to Getting Stuff Done. It just outlines essentially, and at first the book actually, I was gonna make the book about like taking action and like, how do you take action? And how do I, how do I take action, right? Cause I was like, well, maybe that's the people's people, like what they're asking me about. Like, so I had this whole whiteboard and I have all these post-it notes and I'm like, okay, it's about taking action. And like, this is the stuff I wanna tell people and da 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 And I had all these thoughts on just like my life experiences and how I got to where I am today and like all this stuff, okay. Then I was like, you know what? I thought about, and I, was, I have people who literally have like Ivy League degrees asking me, how do I do it? Their issue is not taking action, right? Like everyone take action. Their issue is not taking action, right? It is the finishing part of it. It's that second half that I talk about in the book about self-management and seasoning your, I call it the S and the H step, which is season your soul and hug it out. And it's that second part of the self-management piece that is really what it comes down to. Yes, you take action. Yes, you start the race, but then how do you keep going in the race? right? That mind over matter. And so then that's how the book sort of transitioned into then finish, the solopreneur's guide and getting stuff done. And <laughs> I remember when I, when I had a discovery, discovery, I was eating food, you know, sometimes you got to take a break from your projects. I was eating food with my, with my friend in Oakland, California. We were like at Ethiopian restaurant. We were just like sitting down and I was like, yeah, this is what the book I'm about. But I'm like, ah, uh, I feel like, and she was telling me an issue that she was having, funny enough. I put her an example actually in the book. But she told me about, about like a situation that she was having in where she was like, she's a PhD student and she's like going through, like what it, was, it was like, she was doing this project, you know, PhDs got to apply for grants and like all sorts of stuff and all those stuff, right? Okay, cool. So, but since she was having a situation with like a project she was working on with a research lab and she had like students who were working under her at this point in time. And at some point she was talking about how, you know, like she was working on a project. She was reading the books in the library, right? And at some point she just like stopped working on the project. It was like working on some other thesis and she just stopped working on the thesis and then all sorts of stuff, whatever. So anyways, I coached her through that and I was like, oh, wait a second. That's the piece that's missing in my book. 
self-management. That's really what people are asking me. How do I do it? They're not asking me how to take action. Some of them are asking me how to take action. Those are, that's a whole nother separate conversation. Uh, those are the people who are procrastinating and they're overwhelmed and they're doubting themselves. That's a whole other situation, right? In terms of like, just like take action, start the business. But there's really the people who I'm talking to are the people who are like, how do you self-manage yourself, right? How do you get to finish of what it is that you're working on, right? How do you, when, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is so annoying. I don't want to do this anymore. How do you then do it more, <laughs> right? Like, and other such things of that nature. And so that's really what the, like, what I'm like really proud of in the book in terms of that self-management piece of it all. But really that that's what the book is. It's self nonfiction self-help book on how do you go from start to finish on a product project in general, right? How do you finish a race? Not how do you, you know, there's like the training part of the race. There's like getting to the race and there's like starting the race, but then how do you ensure that you get to the finish line? Right. Mm-hmm. And how do you actually like get stuff done at the end of the day? Right. You have a goal and how do you move forward in that goal no matter what happens? And I put in like stories about my life because it's just been me in my life. Why well, that's, you know, I didn't like, you know, you know, and funny thing is, so I like started my, my whole, like, let's say productivity coach. I actually started as a productivity coach and like getting stuff done. And I was like, oh yeah, like, this is so brand new productivity coaching. Like in my mind, I'm like, it's so brand new. Like I'm the only one out here doing productivity coaching. <laughs> Woo. Anyways. So I write this book, you know, and you know, then I'm like, tell people the book. And they're like, oh, it's like, it's like this other person's book. And I'm like, huh? Who? What? Anyway, then I start going this whole like comp- looking at competition. And I'm like, oh, there's a whole field out here of productivity coaching. Well, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but it's interesting because there are some people who, you know, got into that space because like they were like me and that they just lived their life like this. And then they were like, okay, how do I teach other people how to do this? There are other people who like read other people's books and then decided that they were going to teach that. But that's beside that point. Um, for the rest of us who are doing this, because this is actually how we've lived our lives, you know. <laughs> yeah. But that's beside the point. But yeah, so that book is pretty much just like wrapped in a whole bunch of like. Um, but essentially, I wrote the book, and then I remember like going through the whole like little competition. I was like, oh, I say that too. Oh, that's what I say. Oh, I say that too. Oh my god, like we're like twinsies. Anyways, but yeah. <laughs> So that was just a funny little thing, funny business thing. <laughs> and did that become the point where you sort of that switched from, oh, I say that to, oh, God, that again. Everybody's saying the same thing now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, well, there's a little bit of that, but also I say that was a point where I like got because I did suffer from a little bit of imposter syndrome when I started my business where I was just like oh but like who am I to be like yeah people say I'm an expert in this but who am I to teach other people this and like that and I like wrote the book and I was like oh I don't know I was like is, is it good like I don't know and then you know I had like people had um you know would review the book and they're like you know got the whole you know five stars all that stuff you know reach bestseller and I'm like yeah but like oh maybe I'm like a da, da, da. you know I got over 500 copies ordered in like less than five days and I'm gonna start that campaign that did that organically for free but that's beside the point point being uh one of the proud moments of my business life but anyway the point being that you know it was in that moment I was like started to like look at competition so to speak and I like see what else was out there and I was like oh I know exactly what I'm talking about. What am I like? It was it was like sort of like that was just my way of like how I got over the whole like doubt and like is this me? Can I do it? Uh, da, 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 type of stuff. So that's why I bring that up. But essentially, it was just like a, one of those funny things where it's just like oh, I'm writing this book and I'm like not even sure if it's like good enough. You know, I'm like oh, is it good enough for people? Like uh, you know, whatever. But yeah. So basically, your solution to imposter syndrome, which was essentially you continually questioning yourself, am I good enough? Was to go. Yes. Yes, I am. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> but it came with, <laughs> but it came with like, you know, seeing that uh, what other people were saying was such what I was saying. And I was like, oh, yeah, 
Yeah, it's not no, like- but what I was saying came from my own life. Like I didn't like sit here and like, I'm going to study productivity today or like, <laughs> let me see this productivity. Or like, it was literally just like me living my life, you know? So yeah. yeah. And this is it, isn't it? It's the, the one's life dictates what we do and, and how we help people and all the rest of it. And that's, that's where the power comes from. All those experiences and all those uh, things you've got makes you who you are. Um, yeah. So what I have interest, yeah. you know, you wrote the book because you didn't want to write the blogs or at least it was a quick way of writing all the blogs. Did you then, yes. have, did you then have the book and then think I need to now do blogs as well or, or just blogs get put by the wayside or? <laughs> well, yeah, well, I mean, so now it's just like part of that whole thing of like, you know, when you build a business, you got to put your, you know, expertise online, et cetera. You got to essentially blow up your expertise, so to speak. So I then, so then I wrote the book and I got the whole book thing and now I can say I'm best-selling author. Okay, cool. So then with that, I then like started doing workshops, like for other organizations, being a keynote speaker there, um, you know, got like, you know, the first one was that panel I talked about earlier. Um, but then let's see, what else did I do? Yeah. Then I started like, I started, okay. So here's the thing about blogs. So I started writing blogs and, but the thing is that I didn't write my own blog. Because in my mind, you know, people be like, start a blog, start a blog. And I'm just like, or I can just write on someone else's blog. Like, why am I out here going to do that? I still got to build a following for my own blog. It's pretty much like a whole other business, right? In and of itself, really, at the end of the day. And so then, so then I just like, was like, okay, let me just like write. And like, it's so, because the thing about me and writing, I would just like, living my life. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, ooh, shh. And it's like, like, you know, 7 a.m., wake up on a Saturday. And it's just like, it's like for those who can't see me i'm just putting my hands and typing motions but um yes so that's what i would like so essentially that's the way like writing comes to me so literally like things like things like that would just happen um and so i would just like write that out and then like you know share it with a blog like hey what about this topic do you want this oh yeah great send us a copy oh here you go or essentially i started medium medium medium.com and like put some article a few articles up there and then linkedin as well um but yeah but yeah so essentially that's what I would say I did there, but I still, so I still, I haven't done like the whole blog a week thing. Um, oh, and then I decided to go online and decide to do um, every day, go live every single day. Um, that's the challenge I put to myself when I started my Facebook business page. I was really late to the social media game, digital marketing game. But anyways, I then started my Facebook business page. Um, and from there, and this was like after the whole book thing and all this other stuff, really late to the game. But anyway, so I came into the Facebook business page. I was like, I'm gonna do live every single day. Um, coming up on 300, episode 300, but essentially um, in doing my lies, like in the beginning, I would like essentially like the post I would write for the lies and the topic would essentially be like its own article in a sentence. Cause I just wrote a lot. I would just write, I was like, yeah, like this is what you gotta do, this is what you can do, 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 do. all these tips and stuff um, just come out of my mind. But yeah, yeah. So essentially it's like, kind of have, blo- I have blogs essentially. Like, I just have blogs and I have content, I have pieces and all the other stuff. But my main focus now is on speaking and sharing the message and all that stuff. So yes. <laughs> so summarize the message you wanna spread. Summarize the message I want to spread. Keep moving forward in your business. There's no reason for you to quit. There's no reason for you to hate Mondays. You can wake up and like your Mondays, right? And it just starts with you deciding that you want to like your Mondays and that you're worthy of loving your Mondays and taking the step in doing what it is that you know you're meant to do, right? You, they, every, I believe everyone has a business. Everyone has a business. Everyone has an idea. Everyone has something that they've always wanted to do, right? Whether that's a new career, whether that's something you've always wanted to start um, and do for people, right? That can be turned into a business. That can be turned into financial freedom. That can be turned into a legacy and a purpose for your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids that you, you know, maybe you will or may not ever meet. And essentially it starts with you. It starts with you today. And it starts with you getting the, the help that you need, right? That's for the people who haven't started yet. People who have started yet, Ask and ye shall receive. 
right? There are a lot of people here doing their business and they're just struggling on their own in their bedroom or in their, you know, in their little office space. And they're just like, oh, like, oh my goodness, I can't do this. Like, look at all these people making it. Oh my gosh, like, I can't make it. And it's like, what you don't know is that people aren't doing it by themselves, right? They have coaches, they have advisors, they have a team of people, they have mentors, right? And some of them may have parents who do this. Some of them just have other people who they've had to find, find, right, outside. But at the end of the day, it's find the help that you need because no, you're not doing it by yourself and no one else is doing it by themselves either. So don't think that you, you, that you will, that you have to, so to speak, right? And really get the help and seek the help that you need if you actually want to make this business happen. I don't know, that's a long message. <laughs> nice little strap line that fits into the LinkedIn profile quite succinctly, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> and if you were to pretty much keep it simple, keep it moving. That's my message. Keep yeah, it simple, yeah. keep it moving. That's my motto. There it is. Beautiful. And uh, and if you were to do the uh, funeral exercise now, what would people say about you now, and what do you want them to say in the future? I would say. I believe that I've gotten to a place where I can say at least some people, I think, would say that I've like <laughs> impacted them, propelled them. I will say what I have noticed in that in my entrepreneurial journey, I have seen a lot more people of my peers, you know, like, oh, I have a business now. And I'm like, oh, do you now? Oh, do you now? So, you know, in terms of like motivating people in that sense, and there was someone who actually sent a message to me yesterday. Um, it was on Valentine's Day, and she was, we hadn't spoken in like a couple of months. And she had been like one of the like aspiring entrepreneurs who like had gone to my, I have a whole Facebook community. She had gone to the community a couple months prior um, at the stage of like thinking about doing a business. And then she hadn't like decided to move forward. It wasn't her focus. And she sent me a message on Valentine's Day. She, she was just like, you know, Vanessa, I meant to send you New Year's message, but I decided to send you a happy Valentine's Day. I just want to say, you know, I appreciate all the love you're putting out there in the world. And I just want to say, I appreciate you for what you're doing and how you're helping people, inspiring them to make their businesses happen. And I was like, that right there, that right there. It tears me up, tears makes me tear up, makes me tear up. But um, that's what I would say, that's what people say about me now. And I was gonna keep on saying that as well in the future, except I then also want to be bigger. So now the adult me, um, <laughs> <was so great. laughs> the, the, now at the adult me and the adult adult me, um, well, essentially I want people to now expand that vision to be you know, helping communities around the world, right? Helping communities, actually, no, helping communities around the U.S. first and foremost. Um, there are a lot of people who help people around the world, and it's like, you know, we got problems here in the U.S., and so, but helping people around the U.S., and I'm looking to build a multi-billion dollar empire, and, you know, because I said a billion, I was like, that seems so small. You know, when you work with an $8 billion company, you realize that one billion is really tiny. Um, and so, but anyways, multi-billion dollar um, empire that is you know, centered around helping people and getting them to live their happiest lives and that they can and to move forward in their dream and move forward with the resources that they need to, right? To get what it is that they can have, so yeah. Brilliant. I was almost gonna say that I look forward to being at a funeral and that's completely the wrong message. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I look forward to being at my funeral too you know I'm, I'm looking forward to like seeing just what what's gonna look like you know like just yeah yeah I mean yeah but it, it, I mean it's a, it's a um metaphor and imaging concept that obviously been well used as a, a way of you know what do you want people to say at your funeral but I resonated very strongly because when I was going my coaching learning path and I was in corporate UK as opposed to corporate America but I, I'd, I'd moved into a space where I was working with a, uh, the head of coaching in mm -hmm. MG and um, so I was just sort of um, early stages first few steps and he actually ended up getting cancer and dying 
and I was at his funeral and and it was full of all the people that I knew and or come across and make really powerful people within the company saying about him all the things that you've kind of just said do you want people to say about you and it was just one of those almost out of body moments and sort of like on one side you've got this tragedy and the sadness going on and, and, yeah. and that sort of stuff but at the same time I'm having that kind of yeah this is this is what I want. <laughs> what do I need to do? Yeah. Exactly as you say, what do I need yeah. to do to be able to help people in such a way that they get that? And yeah. so I've actually lived in their funeral, not mine. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's no, a, I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise it'll be a very weird podcast if I have <laughs> <laughs> Like who's Andrew speaking to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was in England, no. Huh? <laughs> um but uh, but yeah no i totally, totally get it because it's it's um it's quite a key moment one of the key one of the one of the key moments in uh, in my memory uh, and on my own journey but um so you've kind of alluded to a few bits you've uh, uh, sort of touched on a few things but if you can bring it together in one sort of as it comes to you uh as it feels vanessa what makes your bits tingle what makes my bits tingle well what makes my bits tingle? I'll say, well, you know, it's seeing people happy. That's what makes my bits tingle. Yes. I'm, I think about an example of a conversation I was having with a, a client. As I have a six month keep it moving business accelerator where I work with my clients intensely one on one. Um, and I was speaking with a client, and I remember two and a half months ago from the conversation. She was like, Vanessa, I just want to quit my business. Like, so overwhelming. Like, I didn't market to anyone. I'm just wrapping up my client stuff. Like, oh my gosh. Oh, so well, she's a, you know, she's a mother. She's a wife. She has a demanding day job as well. And she has this like business consulting business, right? Which also takes time in terms of consulting, you know, your clients and helping them with their stuff. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. Uh, like, I don't want to do this, right? That's two and a half months ago. And then the time that we had a conversation, it was a few weeks ago from the time that we're recording this podcast, but the time that we had a conversation, you know, she literally was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like, we're, like we are less than a month away from her, like quitting her job. We have a team, like we hired someone on her, on her like actual own business. She's still doing the day job. She's still doing, you know, the mothering and all that stuff. But essentially it's, she just, she it's like relaxing, right? And it's calm and it's peaceful. And she's like happy doing it, right? In all areas of her life, right? And that is what my accelerator is about. That's what my coaching is about is like, you're taking care of your business. We also take care of other areas of your life too. And so, yes, that's what I would say there. What makes my bits tingle or seeing people happy? Yes. <laughs> well, as the leader of business enjoyment, I cannot argue with that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Vanessa, thank you so much. It's been a, a, a whirlwind of a, an interview. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah. Um, if people need to track you down, find you, look you near, what's, uh, what, what should they do? Where should they go? Yes. Yeah, so the best way to reach me, I am always on Facebook, I'd say. Um, you can also reach me on LinkedIn, but essentially the best way to reach me is in my community of ambitious, purpose-led solopreneurs. So if you identify as such a person, you're looking to keep moving forward in your business, you're welcome to join us uh, by heading over to vzami.com. So that's V, my last name, Z, as a zebra, a animal, and money, y.com. And you'll see for more information about the community, you're welcome to sign up there um, and join over 1,000 ambitious purpose solopreneurs who are moving forward along with you. So, and I have tips in there, boot camps, workshops, the whole, whole shebang, hop on it.
<laughs> Fabulous. Uh, I'll go and check that out myself as well. <laughs> uh, thank you, Vanessa. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I wish you uh, all the best for the new, uh, next few years. And again, uh, hopefully I won't be at your funeral, but no. it does get there. I hope it's exactly what you want it to be. Thank you. Uh, I'm tear up, Andrew. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I think it's last, the first time I've signed off with somebody saying, oh, look, look forward to seeing you when you're dead. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yes, yes. Love it. Love it. These podcasts are not necessarily here to give you all the answers. I want you to think about what's been said, what's come up, and how you might apply that to your own situation. And if you've enjoyed it, then please subscribe to the podcast and, of course, share it on the social media platforms and so more people get a chance to hear what's going on. Thanks very much for listening. My name's Andrew Miller from Business Enjoyment and I want you to enjoy your business so much it makes your bits tingle.